This morning, I want to talk to you guys about the source of truth. You know, it matters what we draw strength and nourishment from. It matters where we look to for truth. We can see illustrations of this in in our world today. We can see this in uh, looking at a tree. Poisoned roots, whether it's from poor soil, bad water, or lack of water, leads to a tree that dies. Bad fuel put into a vehicle quickly makes for a bad car. A car that's not going to run well. Because what you put into that vehicle, or what nourishes that, that tree from the roots, will affect the rest of the functioning of that tree and the functioning of that car. And so it's the same way in life. And it matters where we look for life and truth. And our text this morning, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 21, offers us the, the right source shows us that we can trust the Word of God. Now, Peter's letter to the churches is written in a context where there were false teachers among the people. And Peter says, there are going to be false teachers among you. He, he expects this. He anticipates this in our, our lives and our circumstances. And so he wants to, in this, this uh, present reality where there's danger, danger in the form of false teaching, he wants to give us a, a true foundation the, the source of truth, something that we can trust. And so Peter is defending in Second Peter the apostolic testimony, the eyewitness testimony of the apostles that Jesus is coming again in power and glory. He's going to make all things new. Peter especially talks about this in 2 Peter chapter 3. But first, here he lays the foundation that we can trust what the Bible says about Jesus. We can trust what Peter goes on to tell us that about the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because His power and glory was witnessed. That's the first reason. And the second reason is because the truth about Jesus and His power and His glory and His return is in fulfillment. 
of God's Word. And so we're really going to draw our attention back to these underlying roots for why we have this hope as we look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 21 this morning. Peter points us to this prophetic word, reminding us that the word comes from God. And so as we look at what Peter says, I want to invite you to not only consider his words, but consider the implication of Peter's words. Consider trusting the word of God as the, the source that you can look to for truth and life and hope. First Peter chapter 1, beginning in 16, says, For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Wow. We'll stop there at verse eight, after verse 18. You know, Peter wants to... The truth is that uh, people have come up with a great deal of stories to explain our world. Some of them very, very clever. But Peter wants us to know that what he's talking about is not a mere story. So he writes about how the apostles were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They witnessed Jesus Christ. And he references in particular uh, an event when he and James and John saw Jesus revealed in power and glory upon the mountain. We often refer to this event as the transfiguration, when Jesus' clothing was as bright as lightning. It was white as white. And the glory of God overshone in a cloud. And God spoke and said, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. And it was there that the disciples were given a glimpse of Jesus' true identity as King of Kings, as glorious in power, the one who was loved by the Father. And so Peter refers to this awesome event and reminds the people he was there. Peter establishes for us that, that his account and his retelling to us of Jesus' power and authority and glory, it's not made up. You see, the apostles' teaching was that of eyewitness testimony. 
This wasn't a story coming out of nowhere. It didn't come from a human mind or imagination. We can be confident that the king is returning because Peter saw Jesus revealed as our glorious king. And it is an awesome thing that we have the eyewitness testimony of the apostles. Men who were willing to die for their faith and their testimony of the truth of these things. This is an awesome reminder to us of the validity, the truthfulness of what the apostles taught, including what they taught about Jesus' authority and his soon return. But Peter goes on to teach us that our faith is not based then in just an experience or simply in the, the testimony of of a Peter or a John or Mark in Mark's gospel as we've been studying. But our faith is based on the fulfillment of God's word. You know, it wasn't Peter that the false teachers ultimately had a problem with. It was God they were doubting. It was his word that was being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You know, this really got me thinking just about a word of application. When we think about the word of God, you know, if you want to argue with God, and believe what you want to believe about it, whether it's the second coming or the resurrection of Jesus Christ or his atonement and what it means and, and what he accomplished on the cross. By all means, go ahead. But I want you and I want myself to consider who it is we're arguing with when it comes to these things that God has revealed to us in his word and these things that hold us to account as we learn of what God has told us. What we do with it is, well, you might say that's your business and you might make choices based on what you want to believe it. But I want you to know that you're responsible then for who it is you are, are going against when it comes to these things such as the, the uh, visible return of Jesus Christ, the visible and bodily return of Jesus Christ to come again and to reign and to make Everything new.
So Peter takes us to the Word of God. And he tells us in verse 19, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Peter points us to the prophetic word. He calls it completely reliable, or as some translations put it, a more sure word. This is what you can count on, Peter says. And what is he referring to? Well, the term the prophetic word really is a phrase that speaks to these scriptures that they had in the Old Testament, the words of Moses and that of the prophets. And that might be summed up rightly under the term, the prophetic word, for it all prophesied, it all proclaimed and foretold of Jesus Christ. But in a more specific sense, I believe Peter is referring to those uh, prophecies that speak of the Messiah and his kingdom, that foretell the specific aspect that Peter is, is referring to, Jesus' power and glory and majesty as the Messiah, as the coming promised king. And what Peter is saying here is that we have this word confirmed. You see, Jesus on that mountain shows us that he is the one the prophets wrote about. He has fulfilled the word of God. He has proven it true beyond a shadow of a doubt. So we are told that we would do well to pay attention to the prophetic word. Now to pay attention means that we need to listen to it. It means to live by it. Do we live by and pay attention to the prophetic word? Do we see how it reveals Jesus to us? Or do we pass it by as though it's of little importance? Peter tells us to pay attention to it as you would a lamp lighting a dark room. He gives us a real clear illustration here. That of the lamp. The word is like a lamp. Think of the Sunday school Verse uh, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet. We sang that this morning. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What is Peter getting at here? He's saying it's the Bible that guides and teaches us. We can't make our way about the the house or the room of life without it. Otherwise, we're in darkness. We're lost. We're hopeless. We're bumbling around and we're not going to know the way in which we should go. 
we have, we have the word as a light to guide us. And uh, we have God's word until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. There is a day that will dawn when Jesus will reign over all the earth. There is a day that will dawn when we will see the fulfillment of all of God's promises rise, if you like, into uh, our hearts like the morning star and we will see the fulfillment of the work that He began in us. There is a day that is coming when He will reign over a new heavens and a new earth and resurrect believers to glory. And this is the hope of those that believe in Jesus Christ, that He died for our sins and that He lives as Lord. But until that day, folks, the only light we have to live by the only light we have to hear from and to see God comes from the prophetic scripture that points us toward what is to come. God's word is the lamp that guides us by his spirit until Jesus returns. So it's not something we can do without, is it? People have all kinds of opinions and all sorts of experiences, but the one sure light for our path is God and His Word. And His Word points us to that day of hope. Now, Peter ends by telling us something of greatest importance. He says, uh, knowing this first of all, above all, he wants people to know something. So we want to pay attention to these final two verses. I will read now. Um, 2 Timothy 1, beginning in verse 20. Knowing first of all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. First of all, before anything else, Peter wants us to understand that people did not create or discover the Scripture. Where did it come from? Not of human will, but by the work of the Holy Spirit in prophets as they spoke from God. God's Word doesn't come from man. It comes from God. The origin 
of the Word of God is not man's private interpretations or opinions about life, but the origin of God's Word is the Holy Spirit. And so God determines what the Bible says. Do you see how important that is? That we understand that it is God's Word? That we understand God is saying, these are my words? Ultimately, we're left with the question, I mean, do I trust God? Do I trust in man? Will we listen to the God who says, I am true, I am faithful, I am just, I am holy, I alone am worthy of worship. This is the God who gives us his word as a light to live by. As the living water. Will we listen to the psalmist who sang this song? Psalm 18. This God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in Him. Do we believe that? You know, many years later, another songwriter wrote the song, how firm a foundation. That's hymn 338 in our hymnal. And verse 1 of that song goes like this. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. So I ask us, what do you base your life on? Where do you look for truth? You know, sometimes I find myself thinking of Jude's description of those that are like waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted. You know, that imagery really is what got me thinking at the beginning about where do we draw our strength from? Where do we look for life and truth? It's possible to be fruitless, twice dead and uprooted. And this is a sorry picture. But it begins when we pull up roots in, from God's Word and we begin to put down roots in other places. This begins when we replace God's Word with our own words or the words of another. It begins when we replace God's ways with our own way. And perhaps that place that we put down roots is a particular teacher or perhaps it's a particular 
conviction, a personal conviction that we have. Or maybe it's just a powerful feeling. Watch out for these things. It may seem innocent enough. And and trust me, I am not saying that all convictions or feelings are bad or that every teacher is a bad teacher. Hope you recognize that that I am I'm I am teaching right in this moment. But these things, whether it's a teacher, a conviction, or a feeling, they aren't the source of life. They're not our source for light and truth. Peter directs us to the Word of God so that we would see that life and hope and truth are found in God and His Word. And so we are commanded to then test all things, everything, and hold on to what is good. We do this. We do this well. When our foundation Our wellspring of life and our light is the Word of God. For then we're able to test and prove uh, from the right standard. So, friends, when storms come, the Word of God is a refuge that won't collapse, even though the world collapses all around you. When the drought comes and the tree begins to dry up and thirst for water, the Word of God is a spring that doesn't run dry. When the world is dark, and you do not know the way to go, nor what is the right thing to do with evil all around, God's Word is a light that ultimately points us to the person and work of Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of the prophetic Word. What more do we need than Jesus His word, my friends, his word is enough.